This is episode number 250 of the Rising Man podcast with Phil Gomez. Sacrifice is a learned skill, not a natural instinct. What's up, Rising Man family? Jetty Azuma here with another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm going to introduce this guest that many of you are probably already familiar with. My brother, Phil Gomez, is a rite of passage guide, men's coach, and devout walker of the Native American path and traditions. He's been in the field of men's work and transformational leadership for the past 10 years, with the recent focus of bringing more men's work to men of color. From leading men's teams to walking the red road as a sun dancer and serving as an assistant to Native American church ceremonies for over eight years, Phil has committed his life to being in service to the practices, rituals, and ceremonies that have been the catalyst for a 180 degree turn in his life. Phil is driven by his dream of creating a world where men of color can rediscover who they are, where they come from, and what they are up to. For Phil, everything he does is for the sake of guiding others to become stronger leaders in order to create a better world for the next seven generations. In this episode, Phil and I decided it was time to share more background of our personal spiritual paths and how indigenous ceremony and traditions have helped shape the foundation of our lives and the lives of our families. We talked about why the simplicity of Native American practices struck a chord in each of us and also took the time to introduce the Sundance ceremony from our understanding and how it's impacted our lives. We talked about the value of men considering and understanding the sacrifice of women and what it takes in order to choose sacrifice over our own self-preservation and why sacrifice is a learned skill. We discussed why we must choose to do hard things if we want to increase our capacity as men and the role of surrender in being able to tolerate discomfort, how community can bolster our ability to endure difficult things and how we also manage to make strong relations as non-native people with native traditional ceremony. Lastly, we talked about how the cultures, our, our social media world, everyone can have this look at me tendency and, and just why it's so important to be in the honoring and reverence of ceremony and in the humility of our path. Without further ado, Phil Gomez. All right, Rising Man family, I've got a familiar face joining me here for uh, another conversation. My bro, Phil Gomez, it's good to see you, man. It looks lovely behind you, too. I kind of wish I had that background right now. Oh, man, you should see what I'm looking at. Just looking at Lake Tahoe, nice and calm this morning, not too much wind. So it's it's gorgeous over here. It's great to be back uh, on the podcast and have a, another conversation with you. So appreciate you yeah. having me here, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate you making time. Uh, we're both busy men with young families, and it seems like we have to schedule a podcast interview just to catch up with each other, but <laughs> that's part of the nature of it, isn't it? That's how it goes. Well, uh, there is definitely no safe space in my home with my four and two-year-old just running feral all the time, so uh, <laughs> it's a good excuse to get out and uh, stare at the lake while having a good conversation with you, so I'll always take that. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we have a very important topic to speak on today, something that is very meaningful and I would say cornerstone to both of our lives today. Um, and so let's just jump right into it, man. There is a, there's a ceremonial path and a spiritual path that we've been walking for pretty much the last decade of our lives. And I'll definitely acknowledge you and, and your wife, Demetra, for, I would say, being at least two of the ushers who have really invited myself and Carrie and our family to walk that path with you. And it's been such a beautiful way of life, you know, um, learning these different indigenous traditions that were native to these lands that we all grew up in and live in and uh, getting to understand just a simpler way of life. And we wanted to have this conversation because it's something that we allude to. I know that you speak about it in some of your episodes here on the podcast, and it's something that I've definitely mentioned before in the past, but it's not something that we lead in the forefront with. And it seems like it's important for people to, to know what that way of life is, even as, as a possibility and what it's provided for us and our families. So I just wanted to start off by maybe you can say a little bit about your background in coming across these ways and, and what, has, what has led you to continue taking steps down that path deeper and deeper into it. Yeah, man, it's been a long, it's been a long journey that has, you know, been on many different routes, I would say. Um, yeah, for, I mean, for me, initially, it started with uh, being invited to an ayahuasca ceremony when I was in New York City. Um, and I had no idea what that was. And 
you know, for some reason I said yes. And, uh, you know, went to it and had, had my mind blown, uh, both positively and negatively <laughs> in the sense of like, what is going on here as well as a sense of, uh, kind of a veil being lifted to, to realize that there's this whole other aspect of, of life, you know, there's, there's all of this unseen as, as how, how I, I kind of see it. Um, there's this whole unseen world that's, that's occurring, you know, simultaneously to the world that I had been living in up to that point. Um, from there, you know, I, I kind of found sweat lodge and was also invited into the native American church, uh, peyote ceremonies. And that was where I would say, you know, I started to really get my strong foundation in, in the spiritual path and just like being able to, walk in life with a stronger communion with, you know, with spirit, with the earth, with air, uh, as the wind picks up over here, <laughs> um, all these, you know, really all these things. Um, and then when I was in that community, Native American church community in, in New York city, uh, in Brook park, the Bronx, um, I started to notice all these people that I really admired and looked up to and just like, wow, there's something special about this person or that person. Um, something different that I've never really seen anyone else carry themselves in that way. And uh, there have happened to be this common thread of all of them being Sundancers, all of them participating in the Sundance ceremony. And I had no idea what that was, but it definitely was like a earmark, right? It's like, huh, there's something about that because all these people have that in common and went to, uh, went to support my first Sundance ceremony about eight years ago and knew immediately that it was something that I wanted to participate in. And seven years ago, I, I did my first dance and really that has been the the path that I've been following, you know, called the red road. I've been following that ever since. And, um, it's really just been a journey of how to imbue some of those teachings in that way of life and that way of being into my quote unquote normal life and, and really just the process of marrying the two. So it's just one consistent walk every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and many people who've heard us dialogue here, they know that, you know, we've been friends and known each other since we were 17 years old. And, and when we met each other, we, I'd say that the basis for both of our spiritual backgrounds was different versions of Christianity. Um, with your, you know, your mom is a reverend and having grown in a Baptist church, correct? Correct. Right. And uh, both sides of my family having different Christian practices, but, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, that was just something that never really connected for me. I didn't understand why I was saying these prayers and these words and like, uh, and just re uh, regurgitating prayer. Didn't, I didn't really know what that meant. And when we met each other in college, I would say we had a lot more freedom and an invitation to explore what spirituality could be. And um, ultimately in our, in our own ways, just finding the simplicity of a, of a community, of a people, of a way that appreciates what we can see right in front of us. I know that's always been the biggest thing for me is when we're participating in these ceremonies, we're, we're giving, we're starting by giving thanks to water and to the earth to the things that sustain life right in front of our eyes. And that's not to say take anything away from other religious belief systems, because I think they're all pathways to the same thing. But ultimately, I'm like, well, this makes sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to this fire right in front of me and, and thanking it and, and, and reflecting on all of those things that fire gives me. It's keeping me warm. It's allowing me to cook and prepare my food and heat my water and do all these very simple things that I can easily take for granted. And, um, and I, and I know that there's been a very similar appreciation for you. So can you just speak a little bit more about what, what clicked for you? What made sense about this way of life? Yeah. Um, it actually brings up a very specific example. I remember this is one of, I would say one of my first five ceremonies, uh, Native American church peyote ceremonies and, uh, the road man, the man leading the ceremony, uh, he was, you know, he was speaking, expressing himself, and he was talking about how I'm not asking you to believe in anything. You know, this is this is not a belief system. It's just like we are highlighting the things that we all benefit from every single day, right? The mm. if it wasn't for the earth, we'd have nothing to eat. If it wasn't for the fire, we wouldn't be able to cook and we wouldn't be warm. 
if it wasn't for the water, we wouldn't have anything. And if it wasn't for air, we wouldn't be breathing. Right. So it's like, I'm not asking you to believe or to, to, um, subscribe to any sort of belief system. We're just highlighting the things that sustain our lives. Right. And we're just bringing some intentionality, some focus and bringing really a break from our busy lives to give thanks for these things, because without them, we wouldn't be here. Um, And I think that really was the one that clicked for me. And I think at least my interpretation of all Native American spirituality or indigenous based spirituality is like there isn't some dogmatic thing that that we're being asked to believe in. It's it's really just a it's a means to help curate our own personal connection with some sort of higher being source creator, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's, it's really just, a, yeah, it's, it's really just a roadmap to be able to harness that connection with that, which we can't see, um, without being like, this is how it's done. This is how you have to do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. Um, and so for me, that, that sense of freedom while still having a sense of guidance, it was like, yeah, it was like the ultimate parenting that I was looking for, you know, um, just like, yeah, freedom and guidance, those two things being married together. And from that, being able to develop my own <clears throat> sort of connection to uh, to this higher being, this higher source, which uh, for me gives gives me purpose. Mm. Yeah, man, 100%, 100% echo and cosine on all of that for myself, uh, just that's really what rang true for me is just how simple and fundamental it was. And, and when, um, when you guys well invited Carrie and I to participate in the native American church in, in greater depth, it was right at the beginning of our building a family. You know, our, our son was nine months old when we sat up in our first peyote ceremony together. And it was, uh, it was such a obvious and instant connection for us. I remember walking out of the teepee in the morning and before we even got a chance to speak to each other, we just knew that this is something that was missing in our lives was having a strong foundational root of a way, a way of being that our family that made sense for our family that we wanted to raise our son. And that, you know, we, we knew our, you know, our future children we want to raise in too. And so, um, it's 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 good to start from that place and specifically speaking this uh the ceremony of the sundance is is the one that we really wanted to speak about a little bit more in, in detail today because i think my understanding as i'm just beginning to understand this way is that it's uh there's there's some very potent uh learning and wisdom in this uh specifically for men so before i go into you know my perspective on it, i'd love if you just give a little introduction so that those folks who've never heard of Sundance and think that it's just a film festival, which in this case is not, um, just give them a little bit of an understanding of, of what we're discussing here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do my best. I mean, there's such a rich history in, um, in this tradition. Uh, Sundance comes from the Lakota folks, Lakota nation, uh, part of their, you know, seven sacred ceremonies. And it's one that's been done for a very, very, very long time. Right. I think there's, um, you know, there's definitely a very political history to it in the sense that it was banned and outlawed, you know, for quite a while. And, you know, to the sense to the to the point that, you know, people were arrested and killed for practicing this ceremony. Um, in, you know, in that time, uh, the ceremony was continued just in a more covert way and, you know, different. Uh, different aspects or different means were taken in order to make sure that ceremony continued. Um, I believe in the early seventies, uh, the religious freedom act, it was, you know, they're kind of given permission to at least perform the ceremony out in public again. And from there, you know, it, it has been passed on to a lot of different tribes too. At this point, the Sundance ceremony is, conducted you know all around the world you know all around the americas even in europe you know all over um really the from my understanding the the original purpose of the ceremony was it was specifically for men and it was for men to greater understand the uh the the sacrifice of women right so you know naturally women have uh this ability to sacrifice because they bring life into this world right so just the the act of being pregnant and bringing life into this world is is the ultimate sacrifice because 
they give up of themselves, right? They, their life is no longer their own. And obviously we, we partake in, in the process of bringing life into this world. But, you know, we kind of have this choice of uh, sticking around or leaving, you know, which so many of the numbers in our society show that. Uh, however, women have, you know, th- have this being that is totally um, dependent upon them. So the ceremony was to um, to bring more compassion and to teach men that element of sacrifice. So through the four days of fasting with no food and no water, uh, we were able to get just a small taste of what labor is like, right? We were able to be able to <clears throat> understand what it is to give up of ourselves for the for the greater good of the people. And all in all, you know, this ceremony was so that life may continue, right? We give up our, of ourselves so that our families may live, so that the people may live. Um, that's like, yeah, that, that's the best that I can, that I could, uh, explain it. Of course, there's tons of, um, specifics to it, which, you know, you know, me, I kind of see it as like this secret society sort of thing. So I, I try not to share too many of the specifics really out of, out of respect for the, you know, for the families that carry these altars and that can have been, you know, pivotal part of continuing these ways. Um, but in general, it's like, you know, it is a way of life that enables the, us as men and now women dance to us to be um, tap, get a taste of what it is to sacrifice and to really help the the continuation of life itself. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really respect about you, man. It's just the, the respect and reverence that you have for these ways. And you've been such a great mentor for me in that way. Cause I, I feel like I've been a few steps behind you in, in this path and just seeing, having you as a role model and, you know, our uncles and and the other men and women in our community to follow has been really, I've just been really grateful for that. And I don't think it's actually that important to discuss the details. I think that's where people, where human curiosity naturally goes. People want to know the details of things when really what's important is the message. And one of the most important things that I learned, this being my first year of dancing in back in July, uh, by your side in your seventh year, correct? This is your seventh year dancing. Um, was really taking into so much consideration how much the women in my life have given, um, not just not just for me, but for my children and for my whole family. Um, I think that's especially when we make this when we bring this conversation into the realm of men's work and where we as men can raise the standard. I think that there, and I'm just speaking on my own behalf. What I learned this year is how much I was not considering. The sacrifice that women make, um, mainly starting with my mother, going all the way back to the, my relationship with my mom and my relationship with my wife. And obviously, by extension, all the women in my life that as a man, I will never really know what it is that women are sacrificing and giving of themselves. Um, and obviously, some of the most potent parts of the ceremony are, are reminders and symbolic reminders that women are sacrificing this all the time. And in, in an even bigger symbolic way that the earth is giving so much that can easily be taken for granted. Uh, so what what have you taken from that and been able to apply in in and maybe from where you started too? You know, maybe before you even started dancing. What what did you what have you learned over the years when it comes to what you haven't considered when it comes to the women in your life? Yeah, man, I, I think you nailed it pretty good. I think there's just so much that I've taken for granted that, you know, the women in my life have, have sacrificed. Um, you know, when I first started dancing, I was, I wasn't married. My, my Demetra and I were together, but we weren't married yet. Uh, didn't have kids. And it was, uh, I, you know, seven years ago, I was a very different man, um, in many ways and still the same in many ways. Um, but you know, throughout that time, just like I would say the combination of being in that ceremony, as well as witnessing the transformation of my wife from, you know, from maiden to mother has really just, um, it has really changed my relationship with my mom, uh, in the sense that obviously I don't remember, I never knew my mom before she had me. And then those first, I would say probably five years, I had no idea, uh, what that was like, you know? And so witnessing my son being born and just all the things that my wife had to do from breastfeeding to being up all night to um even these days now where i would say she she is the lead when it comes to you know where they're going to go to school uh what food we're going to eat 
all these things in the house. And, you know, I, I do my best to, to be supportive in that. Um, but you know, there's no doubt about it. She's, she definitely takes the lead in all that. So just through witnessing that, um, especially just birth, her giving birth, um, I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is what my, my mom did for me. And this is what every single woman has done that has given birth. You know, every single human being comes from a mother, right. Who has gone through that sacrifice, gone through that ceremony. And, you know, this goes all the way back to the beginning of time. So I think it really has just changed my, changed my outlook of it, just how life has come to be, you know, and that, you know, life is birth, literally birth from sacrifice. And it, 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 if we all chose ourselves all the time, there would be no life. Right. And so the, the dance itself has just helped me understand what sacrifice actually is a bit more and, and just like what it actually is to choose discomfort, um, in order to choose something that's bigger than ourselves, right? Choosing that sacrifice, choosing that discomfort so that literally, so that life can continue. And that's what, you know, that's what women have been doing since the beginning of time. Yeah. Well, that's such an interesting point that you make there, man. And I think one thing I love that I heard hear you say all the time is there, there's a, there's the functional and then there's the spiritual elements to all of these ceremonies. And one of the functional pieces, uh, maybe even more of a scientific way of looking at it is how much I know that our brains are just wired for self-preservation, right? That, that earliest formation of the brain, the reptilian instinct to self-preserve the ego, whatever we want to call it, it's there. And we can't, uh, you know, we can't, dissect that out of our human experience. And so to, to give of oneself on behalf of others, I think is instinctual in, in a mother, right? They call it maternal instinct, right? The instinct to sacrifice, to grow life and nurture life into existence. Um, obviously as men and males, we have a biological instinct to, to spread our seed and to procreate. But the nurturing of life, I find, is not as instinctual for me. It's not the same instinct that my wife has. It's not the same instinct that my mom has. Um, and so to me, it really becomes um, somewhat of a practice or a discipline, definitely a choice to learn how to sacrifice, to learn how to choose my wife and my children over myself. Yes, there's this component of what I've been modeled for me my whole life by watching my dad and watching other men that I respect and how they sacrifice for their families. But I don't think that that's natural instincts, protecting, providing. I think there's elements of that in there, but at least for myself. And I wonder what your experience has been. I've definitely had to learn a whole lot more about, and also see how much more capacity I have to sacrifice for, for the people that I care about. Yeah, I would say for me, it's been very much a learned skill. You know, I think before children, I mean, you know, there, there's always some, some sense of nurturing there, right? In, in the sense that I would say I've always been a compassionate man, right? In the sense that like, if someone around me or something around me is hurting, then I can feel for them, right? I would say what has been learned is just the, the, I've, I've gained and acquired more tools in order to be and demonstrate nurturing, if that makes sense. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I've always had the capacity for it. And, you know, even now I see like thinking a bunch of a bunch of young men in our community, um, ceremonial community, and just seeing them around my children. Right. That's like, there's no doubt they have an, a capacity for nurturing and that they are nurturing in, in the ways that they know how. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, for me, it's like, it's been, for me, it's been the process of saying no to other things so that I can be nurturing, right? Because I could, it was a lot before kids, it was very easy for me to find something that was more important than the nurturing required in that, in that moment. So just for a concrete example, it's like, maybe my wife is having a tough day. Um, she's stressed about something, you know, I, I you know, maybe I would be nurturing in the sense of like, honey, it's going to be okay. And then I would go into, it's more important to figure out the solution to the problem right now, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to sitting, being with her, uh, stroking her hair, maybe making her some food or some tea and like kind of those, that aspect of nurturing, those tools of nurturing. Um, so yeah, you know, I think 
in being being a father like i've definitely acquired those tools a lot more um and focus a lot more on how i can be more nurturing in this moment um and then you know i think i think ceremonially just being in that way of life you know both from sundance and and native american church um it's just I would say it's more opened my eyes to increase my capacity for compassion. I had it before. Now it's just at a much greater depth. Mm. And one thing I noticed from, from being out there, cause uh, I think one thing that we could say about the Sundance ceremony is that it's four days long and essentially the, 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 the purpose or the role that we play as, as dancers is to focus on our prayer prayers that we have for our families, for our community, for the earth, for, for the earth. I mean, spending four full days in intentional prayers, really, it, it opens up so much space, um, especially guys like us who have really busy lives. And I'm sure many men out there can relate just how, how much we would like to spend more time focusing on these things. And yet it seems like our to-do list just is overflowing at all times. And given those four days of really focusing and honing in on on prayer and 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 what what is there that was what really allowed me to take into greater consideration because when i when i only have to focus on one thing i can be really 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 good at that one thing <laughs> i was like man i'm such a more I'm, I'm a much more patient father and partner when when all these other things are cleared off of our off of my off of my plate Right. So I think that's another big lesson for myself is that uh, when it comes to speaking about the nurturing quality, I do have a greater capacity to be nurturing when I create space for me to be nurturing. And um, I think that's one of the big lessons that I learned and, and I'm appreciating now what I'm what I'm figuring out how to integrate into my life is where do I create more space for the things that really do matter to me that I'm not willing to uh, to sacrifice anymore. Or to or to suspend or postpone or punt it down the road until I magically come up with more hours in my day, because I think that's what I've done for a long time, and and I'm not willing to pay that cost anymore. And it took me being able to sit with that very consciously for those four days to be able to see it. Yeah, man. I think when it comes to ceremony, all ceremonies, there's like there's obviously something magical there. You know, uh, I think anyone that's been to a ceremony, whether it was difficult or whether whatever experience you had, there, there's something intangible, something different th than everyday life. And I think the, that can really lead to two things. It, it's either like, man, I need to sit in more ceremonies, which is, which is great. Or, and how do I bring some elements of this to my everyday life? So, you know, look in this Sundance ceremony, there's, there's so many things that go into making that ceremony. You know, there's obviously the, the lineage, right. And, and, the the chief that's running it, there's the drum, there's the supporters, there's like all this stuff, you know, but all out also all the things that we do in order to create the space to take those four days to focus on prayer are just as important as the drum is right. Just as important as any element. Right. So now that's something, you know, maybe I can't have, uh, a big old drum every, every day, or I can't have this element or that element, but wow, I, I do have control of creating intentional space, right? I do have control of, um, choosing something, you know, in, in the sense of the Sundance, we choose, we choose that ceremony itself and we do all the things leading up to it in order to actually arrive there physically. And then to create that, uh, that container where we can be, in prayer for those four days, whether it's uh, setting up childcare, whether having supporters, uh, driving however long it takes to get there, all these things that that go into to doing that. So, in my daily life, where, what, how can I put in the effort in order to create the space to uh, to be in prayer, or to be in focus, or to be in you know a single space physically and uh, emotionally, um, so that I can help gain more clarity because that's how that's really what i see um the gift of being out there for me is just like all this clarity that comes so yeah that's something that i could bring into my everyday life and uh it, in all honesty it, it's difficult to do all the pre-leg work in order to create that space but it's possible we can do that mm. yeah that's a really good reflection man there, there's just as much 
uh, medicine and the preparation and the, I guess, completion of ceremony, the, the bookends of the main event, right? It's like the, mm. the ceremony itself, whether we're talking about Sundance or any other ceremony, that's usually the, the spotlight. And that's what, that's what most folks are excited to show up for. Um, but I, I know for myself, having spent more time around these ways, there's just as much, if, if not more, to learn from how, how I prepare. What is my mindset? What is my heart set? Where am, where am I? How am I showing up for the way that I'm preparing for these ceremonies and the way that I exit these ceremonies? And do I carry it into my life or does it just become uh, a memory or, or something something that I did? Right? I think that's that negates some of the intention of ceremony for me is if it just becomes another thing that I checked off the list. It's like, no, these are and, and then this is another thing I've had in my experience, the more uh, ceremonies that I've participated in, especially because most of the ceremonies I do are with you and your family and the other families and people that I've come to consider family, it feels like there's just this continuous thread. It's almost like everything else in life is the dream. And then when we come together for these moments, it that's it's like that's what life is really all about for me. And so it's just so much, so much more to what this way of life is about than I think most people understand at first glance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of our dear sisters and teacher Tikarima, she always says life is the ceremony, which, you know, that that's, that's actually it. Like our, our everyday life is the actual ceremony. And then these ceremonies or rituals that we participate in are just moments for us to take, uh, a, some reprieve, some stillness, some quiet, in order to help uh, help reflect on the actual ceremony, which is our life, so that we can step out of those those timeouts, right? Step out of those ceremonies to step back into life and do it better, do it in a better way. We, you know, it's just it's just the quiet. It's just like the um, what's it called? It's like it's like the pit stop or it's like the water break during uh, during a big game, right? You have your sip of water. You're able to pause. You're able to kind of relook at all the plays, relook at how it's going, and then you step back into the game and you're able to you're able to course correct, fine tune and adjust so that you can really keep your path on the trajectory that you you want it to be going in. Yeah, man. I love that. Shout out to to Tikarima. We love her so much. Um I've got two other questions that popped up that I want to touch on before we finish up. Um the importance of doing hard things in order to increase our capacity. Uh, we, we talk about it a lot. And I think that's part of the problem is you can only talk about hard things so much before you, you don't get the benefit of doing hard things by talking about them. And I know that's something that you really believe in. It's something that I, we both found to be true in our paths. And I, even just last night, we were circling up with our men's team out here, um, one of our fire circle teams, and talking about how we we often have to give up comfort in some form or fashion to access these experiences. We got to give up sleep. We got to give up many of the things that a lot of people, and I know myself, have been led to desire in the society that we grew up in. So just hearing it from your perspective, man, what do you think? Why do you think it's so important for us to learn how to choose discomfort, how to choose to do difficult things? Because again, I think it's going against some of our basic biological instinct. Yeah, man, I guess the two things I think of are like, I have not been in any sort of any sort of ceremony that didn't involve discomfort physically, right? And I think part of that is just like, man, part of part of the admission to play is to is to go through some physical discomfort, right? Now this doesn't mean we have to like cause ourselves pain intentionally or anything, but like in order to in order to uh, access the more spiritual realm or access some of the deeper depths of things that we don't necessarily see every day, both within ourselves and within the world itself. It's like, we have to, we have to get over some of the physical discomfort. That's almost like that's the first layer. So if our, we keep our attention on that layer constantly, we never can access the, the next door. Um, so I think that's one huge element of it. And then, you know, in general, it's like, I think we, you know, everything's discomfort, right? It's just a matter of if you're pushing the discomfort to later on or you're willing to face it right now, right? right. And, you know, I've, I'm speaking from experience, you know, there, I just think about my 20s where 
Um, I was just like living life, living it up, like in the way that I thought being in New York City, um, spending my money, partying, having tons of great experiences, developing a lot of relationships, um, which was comfortable at that time. However, you know, I didn't didn't really take any sort of responsibility for my finances, planning for the future, any of those things like that. And, you know, within the last couple of years of having kids and stuff, like I've, I've been in the discomfort of that, you know? And so, it, so again, I think it all, it, discomfort is inevitable. It's just whether we choose to face it in this moment, right? Um, you know, which, so going with the, with the, thread of being in New York city and just being in my early twenties, like I was avoiding the discomfort of figuring out budgeting and financing and planning for the future and saying no to certain things that cost money, right. In order to save, um, I w I was avoiding the discomfort at that point. Right. And so all I was doing was kicking it down the road. So it's going to happen. And I, I, I'm a very optimistic person, probably not as optimistic as you, but I'm still an optimistic person. And, you know, I, I think life is beautiful and I enjoy life very much. So, uh, you know, I don't say that discomfort is inevitable from a, from a stance of like, life is tough and hard and you're just gonna have to fucking grit through it. You know, it, it, it's really from the sense of there's always going to be something to, to face and why not face it now so that you can open up some other doors in the future. I think that's really well said, man. And to take that a level deeper, I believe that a lot of the men that I come into contact with ha who haven't really endured significant challenge. Uh, I think because I think a, a lot of a lot of men, you know, whether we like whether we know it or not, we we don't we're, we're pretty sheltered from a lot of discomfort, especially depending on the ways that we're raised, you know, especially if you relative to the experience that many other humans are having on this planet. And I think part of those formative experiences that we miss out on in our childhood because of the way that we're raised or how safe our experience is as children, it, it makes it very difficult to navigate the world because the world doesn't change, right? And it's it's like, how, how long am I going to suspend facing real challenge and real discomfort? And again, like you said, it's not this uh, doom and gloom that life is going to be hard and it's going to suck. So just brace yourself for it. But it's it's I think it's even more of a of a function of a simple function of hey, things are gonna happen that you're you're not gonna like, <laughs> right? You're gonna we're gonna lose people. If you're fortunate to live long enough, you lose people you love. That's a fact of life. Uh, we're gonna experience pain, whether it's stubbing your toe in the middle of the night or more significant physical pain. There's gonna be these things that happen that we can try to avoid them, but it's it's just delaying the inevitable. And the longer we delay that timeline, the less opportunities we have to actually prepare for it. And I think that's the key is that there's so there's so much more capacity for humans, especially men, to tolerate more. So much more. There's so much more within us to be able to withstand physical, mental, emotional, you name it, fill in the blank types of challenges. And I think that we have to be more selective and choiceful in, in in embracing those things regardless of what it is this is even outside of the context of ceremony for me just choosing difficult things and and choosing to go through them and to and stumbling through them and falling on your face and experiencing that discomfort because like you said it's it's only going to delay it for you and I, and i find that the, the delayed discomfort often hurts more than the discomfort right in the moment always always <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's really important at this really make a delineation between um gritting and bearing, right? And between gritting and bearing through life, right? Sucking it up, kind of all the typical things that we hear um as boys and to seek the discomfort, right? In, in the sense of like we can be in the discomfort and we can still be emotionally intelligent uh, men. And I think that's actually the, that's the purpose of ceremony is to practice being in the discomfort. So you can still keep your wits about you, right? Mm -hmm. Being in the physical, you know, knees hurting, back hurting, uh, feeling thirsty, headache, all these things and still be in your prayer. Right. And that's what we want in life. You know, that's what I want for myself. That's what I want for my son. That's what I want for my daughter too. Is like, 
life is going to be difficult at times. There, there are going to be things that are going to happen, right? You're, you're going to break your arm. You're going to lose someone. Your Things are not going to play out in the way that you wanted to for a specific situation. And that's not an excuse to give up, right? That's not an excuse to tap out. It's not an excuse to go hit the bottle or go go on a bender, right? It's 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 developing that that skill set to be able to feel and be with it while still being in action to continue to move forward on the road. And I think that's what, you know, at, at least in my interpretation, that's what all of these ceremonies are uh preparing and training us for. Yeah. Uh th- you brought up one thing that I just uh, I want to mention here because the I remember very clearly um when I learned some sometime when I was a teenager, when I learned that surrendering to pain was actually better than trying to fight it. And the first thing that came to my mind was getting shots, like, like, you know, flu shot, some kind of shot and just like tightening up and tensing and like raising my blood pressure and my anxiety around something like that versus just learning to find my breath and to surrender to it and how surrender is such an important part of being able to tolerate discomfort and it's and it's a skill right it's like a practice skill can i breathe into this painful thing coming my way or will i tense up and tighten against it actually as i'm saying it out loud i remember my doctor my my, pedi- my pediatrician when i was a kid dr Taryn. oh my god he i remember him telling me that he said you know it hurts less if you can soften and breathe into it <laughs> and and i and i remember trying that and being like oh wow he was right <laughs> and then I've just figured out and not, and not to say that I haven't had those reactive like moments to things like that before, but I, I noticed that over the years, my body has literally learned oh, if I can like breathe and soften into, especially when it comes to physical pain, but even mental and emotional pain too. the softening and surrendering to it. Cause there's no, cause I can't run from it. I can't avoid it. And I think that also speaks to what you were saying about going to the bottle or taking some pills or scrolling through social media. That's, that's the same thing as trying to run or tighten up from that discomfort instead of surrendering to it and leaning in. Yeah, man, it's, um, you know, we have a lot of options when it comes to what we can turn to instead of looking at what's uncomfortable, you know, and I, I think that's, what's given rise to, uh, men's work and, uh, personal development and, and all these things, right. It is just like, there's a, there's an element where we've gotten to the point in society where we have the freedom to look away from our difficulties at least at least for a while you know of course it gets to a point where you know some people call it rock bottom or whatever where we have to face it but um you know we have a lot of we have a lot of different options where you know I don't think it was always like that um and so you know I think that this is like this is the importance of having uh choosing discomfort at least in lower risk ways you know whether that's um running and exercise i feel like that's a huge element of it uh ceremony or uh, vipassana or you know all the all these other things that that are like ways to we could say yes to discomfort that uh will then make it easier for us in the future to say yes i think the other element is uh is community you know, which is always, always, you know, a pivotal part of all ceremonies is like most of them aren't done alone. And even the ones like uh, like uh, nature fasting and vision quests, it, it, even if you're alone for a portion of it, it's still based around community. You're still coming back to community. Um, and, you know, when we're when we're when we're living like that, right, where other people are dependent upon us or other people are um, have a vested interest in our success and our well-being. It, it becomes a lot tougher to hide out, right? It becomes a lot tougher to avoid our difficulties because they can see them too. And they're willing to be there to help us support us through them. Mm. Yeah. The, the role of community, man. I mean, that's a, that's like a whole nother podcast episode and just speaking about how important that is and how, how fundamental that is to these ceremonies as well. Right. We talked about the fundamental nature of the elements, these ceremonies reveal and the simplicity of that, but also that all of these ceremonies have that, that component of of community of family of village and future generations that that's that's the unifying prayer at least that i've found so far in all of these ways and i'm glad that you brought that in even if we you know highlighting that at the end um 
One other thing I think is important to mention here, especially since so much of this episode was focused on ceremony, especially ceremony that many people who listen to this is probably going to be very new to them. Um, you and I were both not raised in these traditional ways. This is something, as we mentioned before, that you you found and were welcomed into. Same for me. Um, I thought it would be helpful to speak to folks who may ha- may be interested in ceremony or there's something about what we've shared that resonates with that path and helping them to understand how we were able to make uh, good relationships and strong relationships and and find our way into uh, traditional ceremonies that we weren't raised in. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's many ways to do it. And uh, again, it probably goes back to being able to deal with some discomfort, you know? So mm. I would say for me, I was... Um, I was blessed enough to find a pre-existing community there in New York, um, which, you know, I think for anyone, anywhere, if, if you're interested in it, just start asking around, Hey, do you know of any sweat lodges? Have you ever heard of sweat lodge? Like being in the conversation and bringing that in literally into your reality, um, found that pre-existing community. And then from there, it was just like figuring out how I could help out. Like, Hey, uh, what, what do you guys once I kind of figured out what they were doing, I was like, oh, well, you, there's all this wood that you need for ceremony. What do you guys do for that? Oh, we go out and actually we're going to go out in a couple of weeks. You want to come? All right, sure. So it's like taking time. That's like, uh, that's not just the big event. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this example before of like playing basketball as a kid. And it's all, you know, if you're playing basketball by yourself, you're always kind of dream of being game seven and hitting the buzzer beater shot, you know, like you'll kind of say it out loud, three, two, one, go up and shoot. Right. Um, and you know, then thinking from, from an adult aspect of, of that scenario is like, would the game seven buzzer beater feel as good if I just transported right to that? Right. If I didn't have the whole season, the whole preseason practice, all the trials and tribulations that lead up to it. So for me, that's kind of what, what I was looking for is like, how do I not just be in the big event? Where, where are the other ways that I can help out in order to help uh, the facilitation of these things occurring? So mm-hmm. that's one help out, find a community by asking around, uh, figure out ways that you can help out and be in the position of, of really willing to learn, you know? And so for me, it's like, I, I showed up with way more questions and answers, right? Even if I had opinions on how things should go or how things could possibly be better or you know where things weren't clear this this and that it was like the for me it's the context of i am a guest in someone else's home right so i would never go to someone else's home and be like oh you should actually re uh reorganize things and redecorate so this is actually there and this is there and oh your plates are in the total wrong place you should put them in this cabinet instead like you would never do that it'd be ridiculous so uh don't do that when you're uh when you're going to something that's pretty new to you. So there's that. And and then I would say lastly, which kind of touches to the discomfort aspect is like when I, um, I think of like the first, first few times I went out to Sundance, some ceremonies that I've been to, like, it's not, don't like expect it to just be like warm and fuzzy and like the red carpet's just going to be rolled out for you. You know, there might be discomfort as, or like some uncomfortable situation as like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Right. Who are you? Um, might be people that don't agree that you should be there. Right. And sometimes you just got to take that on the chin, you know, and for me, what's helpful in taking that on the chin is just realizing the, the history when it comes to, um, indigenous spiritual practice in this country. And that like, you know, it's a really fucking ugly history, right? It's like, there's, there's a lot of shitty things that have been done that have like personally impacted you know, people and their families and their traditions and their culture and, and all these things. So, you know, if there is some, some, uh, heat that's given to you, like be able to take it on the chin. You know, one of my, one of the ceremonial teachers I have is like, this is not, this is not a path for people with thin skin, right? Because, uh, there's going to be some words that are said that, that might not feel so good, right? There's going to be like the questioning of your intentions and why you're there. And, and, you know, if as long as you show up to the space with some clarity as as far as why are you actually there? Why do you why do you want to participate in uh in these ceremonies? Um and uh willingness to to listen and to be, you know, yeah, to to use the two ears you have and close your mouth 
I think um, I think that's really going to open up a beautiful path and road for you to continue to learn way more and to continue to better yourself as a human being. I love that, man. I, I'm I'm going to add zero to that because I think you covered everything <laughs> that's really important. And I know I can't say it better than you did. Um, and, and just to wrap it up, man, uh, I'll say it say it live here and publicly. I, one of the things I respect most about you is you're never looking for people to know the things that you do so that people can understand just how committed and devoted of a man that you are, how, uh, how much endurance and how resilient you are as a man. And I'm glad that we took this opportunity to, 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 to shine some more light into that for people to begin to get an understanding of the things that you've sacrificed for what you believe in. Cause I really respect that about you very much. Um, especially in a world now where everybody wants to put their highest achievements public out, out in the front for people to see on social media and for everybody to, you know, kind of do that. Look at me thing. Um, it's really great to have people in my life like you who, who don't subscribe to that, who, who don't, who don't choose that. And, uh, I'm sure you'll say something really humble to deflect this after I'm done, but I just, <laughs> I wanted to punctuate this conversation by saying that to you, man. Well, now that you said that, I won't deflect it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I greatly appreciate that, bro. It, it means a lot coming from you. And, um, yeah, it's great to have, uh, great to have a brother like you on the, on the road with me. Um, someone that speaks the same language and someone that can, you know, that can see me. So I, uh, it feels really good to be seen and I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, you know how much I love and appreciate you too, man. And I'm grateful that we have uh, another uh, really important facet of our lives that we get to share and that we get to demonstrate for our families. Uh, just this morning, Itzy was asking when we can go back to Sundance. And I asked her, I was like, you want to go back to Sundance? Why? And she said, because all of our friends are there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just, it, you know, those things, they warm my heart because it tells me that we're, we're doing, we're doing good things for those kids. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, I think, uh, I think in Cyprus's mind, Sundance is it's the same every single day over there. And he's like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> let's go back. We're missing out. Let's go back. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh man. Well, I love you so much, bro. Thank you for everything that you shared. Um, you're such a wonderful man. And I love every opportunity I get to share who you are with the world. So thanks for being on here and making some time. Absolutely, man. Thank you for uh, this opportunity. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. Thank you for, uh, yeah, the opportunity for me to reconnect to my dance and just to uh, my purpose on for being on this path because uh, I am human and there's a lot of shit going on in life and it gets it gets clouded and I forget about it. and I just get caught up in, you know, in what's right in front of me in life and sometimes lose I lose the big picture. So I appreciate you for inviting me back into that in both in this conversation and just in our friendship as a whole. So I love you very much. And thank you, man. Likewise, bro. I look forward to the next one. All right, everybody. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. It was an honor having Phil on here again and being able to share a bigger part of our spiritual paths together and individually with you and everybody in the Rising Man community. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the Rising Man in every way that you do. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.